Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning, and welcome to Military Network Radio. I'm Linda Crater. First of all, we want to thank our sponsor, Blue Apron, for today's show. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. And I have to say, I am thrilled to share more about my first order. Over the weekend, we tried the third meal, the chicken paillard with potato, fennel, and Meyer lemon sauce. Uh, I will ask this of Justin, my co-host. Justin, have you ever cooked with fennel? I haven't, not yet at least. I hadn't either. And so one of the things I love about this is that I'm trying new things. And and paillard is a French way of cooking where you pound the meat thinly. So it cooks quickly and it browns and it's crispy and that kind of thing. So it's delicious. So I try new things. I'm cooking with guests, which I find cooking with others to be a very enjoyable experience. But the best part is every detail has been considered by Blue Apron. So it's start to table in 40 minutes or less. It's delicious, and there's never any waste, which is also something I find difficult to do when the number of people in the household for meals goes up and down. So I am heartily recommending this. The convenience, the flexibility, and the variety of meals means I'm placing another order this week. Mm -hmm. So we have a special based on our military radio. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com forward slash military network. You will really enjoy how good it tastes and feels to create home-cooked meals with others. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com forward slash military network. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. For today's show, Justin and I are going to be talking with Michael Orban, a Vietnam vet, an advocate for veterans, uh, someone who writes and speaks about the experiences of veterans re-entering home life, if you will. And we have talked with Michael before on an earlier show, and I urge you to go to militarynetwork.com and find listen to it, because we're talking about veterans 50 years apart. So today versus Vietnam, and yet the experiences are often extremely similar. Justin, do you find that when you talk to other veterans of different eras? Yeah, I, I certainly do. And uh, and it's funny because even just politically, when we started very early on in the war in Iraq, a lot of Vietnam veterans expressed their concerns that this is going to be another Vietnam. And those concerns were dismissed pretty quickly, mm-hmm. but it turns out that they knew what they were talking about, not surprisingly. Mm-hmm. And I, I do talk to a lot of Vietnam vets now. In fact, I just spoke at an event over the weekend in Kentucky, and I talked to probably 10 different Vietnam vets. And I really enjoy that because I get the opportunity to thank them for what they've done for today's generations of warfighters. This is a group almost uniformly who are not appreciated, who did not receive near the level of recognition that today's warfighters do. So as someone who can 
who has walked in their shoes to a certain degree. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to them and I take what they say very seriously. Beautifully said, Justin, and, and I agree. And today's show is kind of an interesting take on warfighting, as you put it. And I think one of the things that surprises me in my work with caregivers of the wounded, ill and injured, and with talking to other vets, is that so often family members don't understand. They they feel alienated. You know, it's been three years. Why don't you, yeah. aren't you over it? You know, that kind of thing. I'm not saying anything anybody hasn't heard before. And one of the goals of today's program is to give you experiences and stories from these two veterans, Michael and Justin, and I'll insert some commentary about families in between, because I think that if we can enlist the family and friends and the community to better understand the stark differences of being at combat and coming home within 72 hours, sometimes less, that people may begin to have some more compassion and understanding about what goes on through a veteran's mind. And none of us can walk in your shoes unless we have you know, been to combat ourselves. So recognize that no one is going to take away anything that you're talking about from your personal experiences. But thank you both for being able to help the families who don't often understand. And, and doesn't it make sense, Justin, where families can often be your closest allies, but they can also be sometimes the most difficult to reach? Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting dichotomy, I guess, or a paradigm, because, you know, our families care about us more than anything, but it can, it's not like everyone has a perfect, quote-unquote, perfect family relationship, or feels, com you know, mm -hmm. or feels comfortable talking about these issues with those who we may be trying to protect and shield from these issues. True. So it, it is complicated, and... It's complicated on both sides. For the service member, they they may feel some angst about reaching out to those they love, and maybe they don't want to burden them with this, what they're facing. Or it can be awkward also for the family members who can see that their loved ones and family members are going through something challenging. But no, it can be difficult just because we don't in this country talk about mental health very much. It can be hard to get those conversations going. So. Sometimes when people tell me after I talk, they say, you know, my, for instance, my son or daughter mm -hmm. went to Iraq, and I know they have some issues. You talked about post-traumatic stress. I think that's what they're going to, but it's hard to get them to open up. And I say, well, maybe you can just tell them that you saw a Marine talking today about post-traumatic stress, and he was very open about the challenges he faced, and he encouraged he encouraged me to talk to you about it. And that, I figure that's a safe way for it to get out there because it's coming from another service member. And I don't know how many people can do that or want to do that, but I think if you can somehow enlist the help with someone else who is walking their shoes, that makes a big difference. I think that's hugely important. And, and I think that that is one of the best ways to encourage conversation. Um, people sometimes avoid it altogether because they're afraid of saying something wrong. And there yeah. are people who say the wrong things to a yeah. vet, let's face it. Yeah. But it sure is helpful if you have ways to do that. So that's a very graceful way to do it. I'd love to introduce Michael to you right now, and he can tell you a little bit more about his background. But um, Michael, welcome to Military Network Radio. 
Well, thank you very much. And, and Justin, thank you so much for that um, that wonderful uh, introduction. I, I had to fight back tears on, uh, on that uh, just very warm explanation of uh, the relationship between uh, the younger uh, veterans today and, and the Vietnam veterans. Well, sure, Michael. I appreciate that. And that's very true. The, the, even just the legislation that's in place, that's because your generation vowed never to let that happen to, you know, no one else to be treated the way you were. And and I think more and more today's vets know that. I don't know how many of those in the civilian sector are aware of that, but, you know, we can we can try to fix that whenever we have the opportunity. Right. And, and I think we're doing a great job of that. One of the interesting aspects of the conversation today that intrigues me is that the term PTS, PTSD is thrown around, it's in the news, everybody talks about it, but there's very little description of what it actually is, a little bit of definition of what it actually is. Right. And are the, uh, the actual reactions that, that the soldiers are having when they come home, uh, and, and of course what the families can be looking for but I, I want to share this with you, and, and I hope this is interesting, uh, the importance of the family and what they're actually experiencing while we're away at war. Um, I, I was actually married while I was in the service. I got married on leave and was divorced shortly after I returned home. And, and many years later, probably two decades later, my former wife uh, mentioned to me, she said, I always thought the war was tougher on me than it was on you. Okay. Uh, and that was a very, very profound statement I, that I had never thought about how difficult uh, the war is for our families and, and our children when, when we're away from home. So I think we owe it to, to, to the families, to our loved ones, especially and to our good friends, not just to forget that we're warriors when we come home, but not to take this post-traumatic stress into the home and into the families. And I couldn't agree, again, Justin, uh, with what you mentioned, that by veterans who have come along in their healing and, and their readjustment have an extraordinary value in getting out and speaking and diffusing the whole uh, stigma of having PTSD so that the families and the veterans in their families um, can, can take a course toward, uh, toward healing and going and, and checking out the many resources that are available to us today. You know, I love that you're talking about that. And just to give a shout out to Justin. Justin has also talked widely about the workplace and hiring and how PTSD can affect and should be supported and those kinds of things. So it goes beyond the family. It goes to reintegrating back into the community. Do you want to say a little more about that, Justin? Well, yeah. And, you know, well, well what Michael just said is very important because mm -hmm. we talked about not just the family, but, but the public. And we talk about PTSD a lot. And sometimes people say, it's almost like a joke, oh, I have PTSD from the traffic. And, and that hits home with us who mm -hmm. deal with this. And so, you know, I hate to see it used as a punchline because it is, a very, as we all know on this show, a very serious issue. But there are a lot of misconceptions about PTSD out there. And so, what I talk about is dispelling the myths around PTSD in the workplace because a, a statistics show that a lot of employers and HR folks don't really know much about PTSD, no fault of their own, but they, they have, um, have made up their mind about it because of the media. And so that really gets in the way of hiring veterans sometimes and understanding the, the needs of veterans and anyone else with PTSD. And by the way, 
most people with PTSD are civilians who never served in the military. Brilliant. I mean, I think the other thing that we are going to try and do in, in this show is to not only talk about, paint a picture of what PTSD looks like in the family or PTS, even secondary PTS, but we're also going to provide helpful coping strategies for the bulk of the show, because I think if we can give people tools with which to manage this, they will work their way through this, and everyone will, much better. We're going on a short break, and we will be back right after these short messages. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. It's Marching When I was growing up in Wisconsin, no matter how frigid it was outside, my Uncle Bob never seemed to get cold. He would come in from the snow wearing a t-shirt and remark how fresh it was outside. Then again, folks from Wisconsin are a pretty hardy bunch. As America's official dairy state, the cows have been known to give ice cream instead of milk when the temperatures drop. What's a word for a giant snowball that is formed by rolling a smaller one through a field of snow? Hog-a-ma-dog. Megla is an old Scots word meaning to trudge laboriously through the snow. And mufflements is an old Lancashire word for thick, warm, insulating clothes and gloves. Don't forget that you shouldn't try and send text messages if you're standing out in the cold. It can lead to typothermia. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're talking with Michael Orban and Justin Constantine today about the family and understanding of trauma response, basically. Michael, you had something interesting that you brought to my attention before the show that I think bears some some interest, at least it did for me. Can you Chinese character for crisis and why that's meaningful for this discussion. I'm sorry, I missed one more one word there, Linda. The the, the Chinese character for crisis and why that's meaningful for our discussion. Uh, the Chinese character uh, is a combination of two words: danger and opportunity. Uh, and people who uh, fully engage and recover from trauma discover un- unexpected benefits. And I think this is really, really true, especially when you're able to reconnect with joy, reconnect with love, reconnect with the power inside of yourself to resolve the issues. Um, 
But as, as we heal our wounds, uh, survivors typically will find that they develop inner strength, uh, compassion for others, uh, increasing self-awareness, and often um, what is considered the most surprising, a greater ability to experience joy and serenity than ever before. And, and while this may sound to someone who's in the throes and the depths and the darkness of PTSD, while they're, as I did, sitting in their basement drinking, watching TV, uh, isolated and frozen from the world, this really is the truth. It is there. And, and from someone who, um, who committed themselves to the inpatient post-traumatic stress clinic in, in Tomo, Wisconsin, twice, uh, this is absolutely true. So that is really a message of hope for any veteran or any family that's out there that there is a goal to shoot for, uh, and, but the control and the power is within the individual to want, first of all, to, to resolve these issues, and secondly, to take the steps uh, uh, to actually achieve them. You know, you're absolutely right, but I thought that was very interesting about the danger and opportunity, something they're now calling post-traumatic growth is an option. So I do agree with you. It's a, a period of hope. Now, as I listen to both of you, there's a wide response to trauma, even 50 years apart. But these are normal responses to abnormal events, and we are hardwired for survival. So would you two just basically very quickly talk about both the emotional reactions and the physical reactions of PTS, and then we'll talk about some of the coping strategies and stories that you wish to share. Well, I'll go ahead and start, Linda, and you okay. know, I, guess, I guess I can really only talk about what I've been through and then what I've talked about with others, but that certainly does not limit um, the discussion, and frankly, it just goes back thousands of years. I mean, you can read, read Greek tragedies and or with Odyssey and stuff like that, and it's very, very similar, uh, this this post-traumatic stress disorder and the trauma uh, associated with war or other traumatic events is well documented throughout history. But for me, um, and I have a lot of quote-unquote classic symptoms, I, I've actually gone to counseling for a year and a half to work through them and to understand them better. But that being said, some of them still exist And for instance, hypervigilance or having trouble falling asleep at night, experiencing nightmares not wanting to be in crowds, loud noises I have a big problem with. Things like this are still exist for me today, 10 years after my injury and 10 years after being in Iraq. And so I know that a lot of other of our service members suffer from or struggle with those same issues. And unfortunately, they, they come up maybe not on a daily basis anymore, but they are um, certainly weekly. And it's something for people to be at least cognizant of, and I'll just revert to a, a workplace scenario where if, if one of your veterans uh, may be having PTSD, if you have a flexible work schedule, which is free, that will allow him or her to go to counseling during the day if that's when they can get their VA appointment. And, and that's something that the employer should be aware of. It can be hard to get those appointments. And so if you have flexibility for him or her, that can make a big difference. And also related to that, if he or she does have nightmares at night because of what they've been through, which is common, that means they're not sleeping very well. And it might take a little longer in the morning to get ready or to sleep in the morning. So if you have a flexible schedule, that would give them some time uh, to come to work in a better state of mind and do more for you. And they just work a little bit later. And so that's one example of detailing some of the issues that, that we may face and the easy 
easy work on them. Well said, Michael. Well, uh, uh, thank you, Justin. When I uh, put myself into the VA hospital in Toma, they gave me a list of common responses to trauma. And there were uh, the emotional reactions, there were about 22 or 23. And I went down the list and I, I could check off some identification with each one of these. And that made me very, very angry because, not because they, they told me this, but that I hadn't received it 35 years earlier when I first left the service. And if we could just look at a couple, again, if we go back to things, as Justin mentioned, nightmares, but there are many others. One that was critical to me was minimizing the experience, or pretending mm -hmm. like it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Uh, loss of intimacy and interest in sex, uh, feeling shame or guilt, uh, difficulty concentrating or remembering, suicidal thoughts, uh, un unpleasant past memories un uh, resurfacing, hyper alertness and hyper vigilance, uh, grief, anxiety, shock. I mean, I'm going through all of these. Now, what happens if we if we would have these in combinations? And that's what happened to me. So in other words, my mind would go from the grief of uh, uh, losing a friend of, of mine to suicide, to the anger uh, of, of him doing that, to the to the wanting to to grieve, which I never did. And grieving is a huge, huge part of this that that I was never taught. Um, uh, revenge was 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 in there. So if we were to go back to, for example, what Justin was referring to, nightmares. Okay, so we have the nightmares, but this will trigger an, a whole set of uh, responses or activities that uh, that were hard for me. And number one, I was afraid to go to sleep at night because I was afraid these nightmares would come. So what was the typical antidote for me? That was, well, let's drink a little bit more. We'll sleep a little bit better, uh, which temporarily works for a short period of time. But uh, but but then that actually turns into its own enemy, uh, the alcohol itself. So these, the, these characteristics, these reactions, I think we have to better understand them, not just as saying, well, I have, uh, which I did, panic attacks, which were huge for me, and anxiety attacks, but what are the anxiety attacks? What's creating them? What's creating the nightmares? Do the nightmares control you or do you control the nightmares? Every nightmare that I ever had, if I go back and look at them, is simply, I, I can't imagine that I wouldn't have nightmares from what we saw. Um, but the anxiety attacks, the panic attacks, I, I would have to carry alcohol around in my car because yeah. these panic attacks got to be so severe. And, and on top of that, they, they're frightening because I don't know why I'm getting them. What's the matter with my mind? So, so these things are, are, are really snowballing into these much larger effects that I don't even know who I am anymore and I don't know why I'm having these and what is the brain damage. So I'm consumed internally with my own problems and how these are snowballing out of, out of control. And, and oftentimes people will think, well, you have PTSD when you come home from war. Well, it doesn't stop when you get home because now we're, we're continuing to create more problems as a result of not uh, going and uh, uh, resolving our PTSD issues. If, for example, the families that the, the issues that we have at home would be uh, creating the anger at home or the divorces or the the problems uh, distancing ourselves from our children because we are so internalized with our own problems, we don't know how to get out of them. Uh, so I, I think it's it, it's wise that we have these conversations so that families and, and the wives and the children especially 
can understand that these reactions are might be not something that they don't necessarily understand, but also that the, the veteran himself does or herself doesn't understand either. And, and so we need to find a, what's the good approach for a veteran and his family, the wife and the children, to be able to discuss this openly. What are the approaches that we can have that will make them comfortable in going to seek counseling of some sort at some place? And I want to make sure that we mention just, uh, there isn't just the VA hospital, but there's also uh, the vet centers. And vet centers are available for mm -hmm. who have been in combat. And, it, and if that's, they may not be perfect for everybody, but it's a starting point. And I think once people decide they want to start getting help, they'll find a way to do it. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more, Michael. And, and what's important in all this is normalizing, quote unquote, normalizing uh, the reactions. Because one thing I learned from going through my counseling was, of course, my body and mind was reacting this way. It would be weird after what I've been through if I wasn't having this reaction. This is just the way our uh, how we're wired and how our brains react and and it's our, our way of dealing with a situation. I mean, of course, if I, I got shot in the head like I did, I'm going to have aversion to loud noises or be vigilant what's going on. But until I sat down with someone who was objective and who had studied this material, worked with other folks before, and I went to the vet center and had a good experience there, and then also to a separate provider, um, until I had those conversations and could release a lot of the emotion uh, and guilt, frankly, associated with my injury, um, until I did that, I, 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 I couldn't be... I couldn't push forward. I couldn't. I couldn't talk well about it with my wife and and move on. And so we have to understand the American society and our families have to understand that going to counseling or seeking treatment, however you do it, in a healthy way, is something we should we should embrace. Uh, otherwise, we will continue to suffer, and unfortunately, will make the lives of those around us who we care about most uh, pretty challenging as well. All right. What, what, one, better. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, another thing that I'd like to, to add, just in my own personal experience, when I was young, up until the time that I entered the military, I always had teachers that told me what life was about. They were telling me how to act, how to be in school, what, what was good, what was bad. My religions did this, my family did this, the uh, social laws did this. Uh, I, I was always taught how to exist in, in, in the world. That left me when I went into the military and was told by the military, I was trained by the military, this is what your world is now, this is your culture, we're training you, we're teaching you how to act in this, we're going to teach you what it's like to be a soldier. When I came home, I never had the concept that I have to become my own teacher. I'm looking around, I, the life I had, the belief system I had before the military is not working, Obviously, the, the, uh, the culture of the military is not going to work well when I come home to civilian life. I don't have the concept that it's up to me to create the final part of this journey, which is now to be a warrior at peace or at home or after war. But there is no one who's going to come and teach me that. I have to be my own professor. And it was simply a concept that I didn't have that I have to get up in the street. Thank you, Michael. We'll be right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages.
This is Toginet, Cutting Edge Radio. that many prospective college students work under the management of handlers. A tutor helps with SAT preparation while a consultant concocts the perfect resume to present to colleges. They say the closest people ever come to perfection is on their resume. But college admission staffs aren't so bubbleable. That means gullible when it comes to sorting out students' qualifications. What's another word for a person with enough education to go to college? A tancom. The graduation cap was initially a hood and is believed to date back to the Celtic times when druid priests wore capes and hoods to symbolize their intelligence. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're talking today about trauma response so that the family better understands what PTS and PTSD is like uh, for the combat veteran. And so I'd love that we go a little further into... um, the, the stages that may preclude someone seeking help, sometimes those closed in, the grieving stage, the, the revenge stage, the anger stage, oftentimes there are handicaps to moving forward with what will make me feel more whole, what will make me um, take this bad experience and turn it into something better. So there is obviously a support system among veterans that is invaluable. And that is huge. So we talked about using um, counseling as one method of doing things, but there are many, many others. But I would love to hear you both talk a little bit about how you move into that self-awareness stage and what helps you to get there faster. Is it peers? What is it for each of you? I don't know who wants to start. Okay, thanks, Mike. I'll go ahead and start. I'll, I'll just say with my experience, actually, my wife was the one who identified I had post-traumatic stress. She actually studied it. She's a teacher, and she has studied it um, in school because a lot of her students came from backgrounds where that was an issue. And so she encouraged me to, to go to counseling. And so counseling, as I mentioned already, was very beneficial, but also I've engaged in a number of other activities which have been helpful as well. And for those who don't want to go to counseling or who uh, maybe don't feel they don't have uh, the resources around them, here's a couple of things that I did. And one was being a peer mentor, actually, was Mm -hmm. talking with other vets because it helped me uh, when I felt like I was helping others, then that made me feel good, and I was actually providing benefit from what I've been through. But also, um, golf was a big part of my recovery, and there's a lot of other wounded warriors with a physical and invisible wounds of war who have used golf, and golf has really taken them to a much better place. And for me, I have very physical, very obvious physical. Um, injuries. Uh, you know, I've been shot in the head, and so it was very obvious. My head was quite disfigured for a long time. Whenever I'd go outside, clearly people were looking at me, wondering what had happened, and that got pretty old. Um, and so 
There is a Winter Warrior Golf Program in Olney, Maryland, which uh, I call SMGA, Salute Military Golf Association. Now they've mm-hmm. taught thousands of warriors and their families how to play golf. And so I started doing that. And it was so it was so nice to get out there and to um, just just chase that white ball around, go out there during the week when no one, not many people were out there. And beautiful, every golf course is beautiful in its own way. Mm-hmm. And so just focusing on that and not my next surgery or, you know, the next five surgeries or whatever the challenge I was facing, but instead just being out there in nature, breathing clean air, being just being outside. So that was a that was a big help. And there's a, a lot there are golf programs, there are fishing programs, anything you're interested in, those are out there for folks like us. And so that was a that was a big help for me. And I'll also say just one last one is exercise. And so I worked out, I, you know, I've been very healthy when I deployed, but it was hard to uh, maintain that after I was injured. But I did realize once I got back into a healthy um, diet and then working out a lot, whether that was lifting weights or just cardio or even yoga and meditation, which I got into also to a certain degree, those are all very helpful in their own way. They are something that we in the military can relate to because it's a big part of what we used to do. And also, it's a way for us to learn how to slow our minds down and focus on what we're doing right then. Um, so so I'll just wrap up with that, with that, with uh, exercise and golf and, and some peer mentoring and then turn it over to Michael. Uh, thank you, Justin. Yeah, th- those are all good. I think there's just an endless list of things that, that you can start doing. Uh, yeah from poetry um, to uh, music. Music therapy is very big. Playing an instrument. Uh, I know there's hunters helping soldiers down in Texas where they take them out in the bush and take them fishing or take them out in nature. This is huge. There, there are so many uh, so many uh, avenues to take there for healing. I think what's important is for the individual to find out which one appeals to them. Okay. For example, for me, when I came home and I was at the University of Wisconsin, uh, it was my dream to go to college, and I had the GI Bill, and I was so excited about it, but yet my mind just wouldn't focus. It, it couldn't pay attention. I felt like I was in a foreign country. I didn't relate to any of the other students. So I went to the uh, the, the student health center, and, th- and they turned me on to biofeedback, which was a, a type of breathing relaxation, which I still use, and, that, that, and then uh, that uh, went on to yoga, which has been very, very helpful. Uh, and, and of course, uh, the one that was most important to me, and I still use this today, not to be a tough guy, martial arts uh, karate was really good because of the, the physical exercise and the dedication to um, the focus and concentration on, on um, the, the skill or the art, or, or as Justin would do with the skill or the art of playing golf. Those were very important to me. But at the same time, I don't think we can ever underestimate Staying in touch with a therapist or your friends or somebody who you can actually talk about the issues that are on your soul. You cannot exercise some of this stuff away. It's uh, uh, it, the exercise, the diet, all of this is important. The leaving the drugs and the alcohol and the cigarettes uh, alone, if you can, are really important. But they, I, I believe, at least personally for me, they have to be in concert with the, the therapy that allows you to talk through some of the experiences and the reactions that you're having. Um, and maybe later on in the show, the, what helped me the most was actually leaving the country and joining the Peace Corps and going to Africa. 
But I would I would also add in, in Justin is very wise and there's getting out of yourself and helping other people, right. find other people who have life much more difficult than you. Go to a soup kitchen and volunteer. Yeah. Uh, go anywhere. Do something that gets yourself out of yourself because to me, post-traumatic stress was being so internally absorbed. There was nothing outside of the physical skeleton of myself because I was internalized. That's that's exactly true. And I, there are many, many instances where someone is so internalized on, I've known women vets who were raped. Um, I've known who couldn't couldn't let their life be anything except PTS until they began to work with a purpose towards something else, which is why groups like uh, Team Rubicon and Mission Continues do so well, because it puts you among peers who understand. And there's so much to be gained by working on something that's different than thinking only about your um, in this case, we'll call it a disability, but there's also value in learning something new. So learning, as, as you said, the martial arts for you, Michael, and golf for Justin, those are things that make your mind go in different directions. And we are hardwired a certain way. By learning something new, you're making new neural connections behind what we're talking about here, too. And the, the mentoring and the purpose and getting outside of yourself and learning something new, there is science behind it. And one small step builds on the next small step, making a difference. How do you both feel um, talking with the family comes about easiest? Justin, you gave one example of how you talk in the workplace or how you talk to friends. Are there others that you both would share? Because this is still the hidden subject. It's still the hidden subject. It's the elephant in the room for so many. And once you open the door, there's better ways to open the door for understanding than there, than there are not. You're talking about the um, service member talking to his or her family? Yes. Yeah, well, it, it, um, it, it requires a service member, in my opinion, it requires a service member to make a decision in his or her mind saying, you know what, this is an issue I'm dealing with. I'm okay with this. I want to move forward. And part of that is moving forward with a support and understanding of those around me. It can be a spouse or a loved one or a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is, but also your kids because I think sometimes we forget about the kids and they're, mm -hmm. they're absorbing us and observing it. They may not, they, they don't understand it. But they, at the same time, they may be the ones who are most okay with it because they just love you and take you as you are. Um, so I, I've seen plenty of groups that, uh, or several groups that bring in the kids and the families together and make sure that, um, I think it's Operation uh, Pur uh, Purple Camp, I think is one. Right. And also, yeah, and also Semper Max does some stuff with this. And, and where they make sure the kids understand you know, what's going on with mom or dad and get them into the conversation too. Michael? What do you think, Michael? I, I, yeah, thanks, Justin. Uh, I, I would go along the same lines, but I think, and, and Justin just uh, introduced the word that I think is really important in a family, and that's love. And if uh, family members were willing to use that word more often, we may not understand what you're going through, but we love you. We love you, dad. We, uh, honey, I love you. What can we do to help? I'm never offended by somebody who is close to me 
not knowing exactly how to approach me. I, 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 that to me is arrogant that, well, you didn't approach me right, so I'm not going to speak with you. I think veterans have to, to uh, give us a, give a little bit of leeway too and say, well, they don't know how to ask me, but they're concerned and I accept that. And, and that's the real value. But th there's something else that I think is important. If a veteran who knows, and I, I believe that life starts at, in, in the family at home. There isn't, uh, to me, there isn't this thing of, well, I'm going to work and I'm with my buddies watching the football game and everything's fine and everything else, and then come home and be abusive and angry uh, and take everything out at home. That, that's just not acceptable to me. I, I, think, I think the veteran has to get up and say, I'm going to make, I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to be aware that I'm causing trouble at home. I want to make it better. And honey and children, how about if we all go to counseling together to make our family better? And that way the focus isn't on the veteran, but it's on the entire family getting help. Yeah, that, that's certainly right, Michael, because it's that, that, that um, request or demand that the veteran take responsibility should resonate with with all of us that that should be okay we should be okay with that we're used to taking responsibility and taking initiative but also embracing teamwork and whatever we've done in the military we wouldn't ask one of our um our our fire team members or someone on our team to take a heavy burden if we could help with that and so the same applies to our family so i do believe we as individuals as strong individuals with that comes a certain level of responsibility. And there's nothing wrong for expecting our veterans to keep a very open mind when people are trying to help, but also to driving that support from home. I know it can be difficult. This is a tough topic, and it takes a lot of courage to say, you know what, I have, I am struggling, and I need some help. That we, you know, in our community, that's not really celebrated. So I'm not understanding that. However, Doing so is going to make things so much better for you and for those around you who, who you love and who love you as well. Justin, beautifully put, we're coming up on our last break, but to sum up what you just said, responsibility, initiative, and teamwork are part of the military culture and part of what that servant heart all of you have when you serve the way you do. And keeping that in mind as you go forward is pretty darn amazing as you take a look at it. In the last section, we're going after the break, we will talk further about coping strategies for the bulk of the show, how you can best work within your family, and, and to build more compassion and understanding into the entire topic of PTS. We'll be right back after these very short messages. Thank you for listening to Military Network Radio. We'll be right back. Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. This is Toginet, Cutting Edge Radio. My husband was laughing as he was reading about the differences between men and women. According to the article, men get single tusks or hiccups more often than women. Everyone knows that women are better at multitasking than men. I'm good at both multitasking and procrastinating, which means right now there are 28 things that I'm putting off until later. What's another word for a person who puts everything off until the last minute? A cunt taker. 
women blink nearly twice as much as men. And while men can read smaller print than women, women can hear better. In fact, when a woman says, what? She heard you. She's just giving you a chance to change what you said. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Michael Orban and Justin Constantine about the family understanding of the trauma response. Let's go back to what we talked about right before the break, about the the purpose, uh, the commitment to pursuing something meaningful for you, and also go to touch and love um, the things that really connect us as human beings and and help us to engage in a way that many other species don't have the, the ability to do. Um, Michael, do you want to take that first? Well, yeah, thank you. Uh, I'd like to continue with what uh, Justin was was um, was speaking about. Uh, okay. add, add to this some of the things that are stigmatizing for veterans that we have to get over. You know, we hear that 20 percent 26% of veterans have uh, post-traumatic stress. Well, this is very stigmatizing when the largest number of veterans deny that they have PTSD, and many of them don't even acknowledge it until they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. So no, don't pay attention to numbers and percentages. They mean absolutely nothing. And, and the other thing uh, that Justin mentioned, I believe it was on, on the last show, that this is an extraordinary mind game. Uh, but I don't think it's a game that you should play on your own. That therapy is very, very helpful. And and what do I mean by a mind game? I mean, these different alternatives, I can fix this myself. I can stop drinking. I can do this. Uh, I, I can uh, figure this out on my own. But one thing that was always interesting to me regarding the family, why is it that we are so enthusiastic to go over to the other side of the world to help people as we did in Iraq, Afghanistan, Korea, uh, Vietnam. We want to help these people that are suffering. And yet when we come home, we can't even apply that to our own families, that yeah. we want them to be happy, that we, wh- where is it that we can come home and, and, uh, and not have the same goal for our own families within our home? And I think that's one of the things that, that helped me when I finally made that realization that uh, this, is, this is just uh, not the good character of a warrior. And we're not really veterans anymore. We're veterans of certain wars, but we are warriors for the rest of our life. And a warrior has to take responsibility to be the leader. And I, and I think that message gets lost on a lot of guys when they come home because they want, we live the rest of our lives, many of us, where just the experience at war was the most important thing that happened in our lives. I don't believe that. I think raising a good, strong, healthy, loving family is, uh, is, is an extraordinary thing to, uh, to achieve successfully. And I, I would also add to the whole concept of bringing the, the word and the real emotion and feeling and sense of love, but that has to be tied with forgiveness uh, for me because there were many things that I had to forgive myself uh, for actually doing in war, killing civilians by mistake, breaking into people's homes to search their, ho- you know, to search their houses. Uh, there, there was a, an element of shame and disgust uh, and, and the other thing, this may, this may, this may sound uh, odd. One of the most important things that came to me, and I still do this, I had to go in my bedroom and learn how to cry. Just yeah. cry for the things that I could not explain, that I was feeling so deeply dark, down in my soul that I could not justify, I could not accept. 
and I'm telling you, crying just has a miraculous effect on the body. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Again, uh, you know, when I when I first went to the vet center and talked to the counselor there, I mean, my first couple of sessions, I, I was just crying. And I couldn't even explain why, but it was probably because it was the first time I even started to open up about any of the issues. And at first it was just embarrassing because that's kind of how we're brought up. But it's kind of silly if you think about it. It's just our body releasing the emotion. And that's how you move on is you release the stuff out of your body. And then so you can press forward. And so um, we even had a discussion about that. Like, why am I feeling this way? Is this okay? And so again, this is normal behavior. When we keep things bottled up, we really get in our own way. And so... To add to what you said, Michael, I think it takes the veteran either alone or with his or her family to take the time to send some some deep thought on these issues and not just 10 seconds of contemplation. If we were going to uh, go into another country and attack and, and have raids, like we would plan those out. We would plan enter strategies, edge strategies, everything. So we, there's no reason why we shouldn't apply that to our own situations. And it requires deep thought about how am I feeling? What, where do I want to be? Where do I, what's what's a, a good day look like a year from now? What can I do to make that happen? How can I enlist the help of others? How can I help others in their recovery? So these types of things don't just happen, uh, you know, generically. They don't happen organically. It requires some commitment to write things down. Uh, maybe make a commitment to the people around you. But it takes effort. But it's time very well spent. And I, in my experience, that's the way I've been able to push forward is that working these things out um, with a conscious effort and not just kind of waiting and see what would happen. Well, you're absolutely right, because when you don't take the time for the self-awareness, when you don't take time to think internally about the things that are hard, it's difficult to accept or resolve what you experienced and where you want to go. So intentionality in terms of accepting or resolving things is a big step. And Michael, I know that um, you talked about writing about your experience was very helpful to you because there weren't a lot of people to talk to at the point that you were in your recovery. And so writing is one way to do it. Uh, peer mentors, there's a lot of help now that wasn't available then, but even today we have those who are reluctant, reluctant to face those demons and to uncloset it. I think we all know that if you go to empty out a closet and clean it out, first you make a big mess before you reorganize it and put it back together. And so many vets will drop out of therapy after the mess has been started without taking it all the rest of the way. What words would you give them to help encourage them to stay with it, that working through the pain and acceptance or resolution is very important? Well, if, if you would like me to, well, it's fresh on my mind because I have short-term memory loss, so I don't want to lose the thought. One of the concepts that's very, very important to me is none of this is going to come to you. Life doesn't come to you. The healing's not going to come to you. They, no, nobody has the answer for you. This is going to come out of you. The answers are there. It might be a mess internally, but it's going to take, believe it or not, this extraordinary power that the individual has inside, the determination, 
um, the, the character to want to, to resolve all of these things. For example, when we go to therapy, the therapist doesn't sprinkle magic dust on us to make us better. They don't give us the answers. They guide us to understanding the answers in ourselves. So I think understanding that the power to, to take control of this is internal is extremely important. It's not going to happen without the individual wanting to actually make the change and, and move forward and make it better. And the other thing is to understand if we, we have been to war, we have seen extraordinary things. The resolution is not going to come overnight. It's not going to come in a week. It may not come in months. It may not come in years, but it's something of value to work at. Not to work at it, I think, if we think about not working at it, of not putting in the effort, think of where you'll be in five years without working on it. That's a much more frightening thought to me. Justin? Yeah, I, I, I think Michael's right on. And, and getting, it does take intentional work and intentional mindset. Maybe that means reframing your mindset and thinking about and recognizing, okay, I'm not in the best place. I'm not. I'm a little bit, quote unquote, different than where I used to be. Instead of saying, okay, well, I guess my only option is to sit on the couch and, and drink or, or play video games or do nothing, maybe it's how, how can I be the best person ever? How can I have a great day? How can I support those around me? And whether that is volunteering or uh, really searching and finding a job that's best for you, I've found from working with a lot of veterans and finding a really, uh, a really good career, or finding a good job, um, once that happens, a lot of other issues go away because once again, you feel like you're a productive member of society. So, you know, dedicating time towards that can be time well spent. I, I do want to touch on the, the value of writing. And I've done, I've done some of this um, specifically about uh, thoughts I had or nightmares I had or just, you know, sitting back on my back, sitting out on my back porch at night and, and thinking about things and writing a poem or a short story. I submitted them. There's lots of contests out there for veterans and veteran writing. Um, I haven't won any yet, but, <laughs> but I just did submit some uh, more last week, actually. So they're they're ongoing, and it's a cathartic uh, feeling when you can get your thoughts out of your head and put them on paper. And maybe that's a good way for you to share them with your family if you're just getting started with this. So because sometimes it's easier for someone to read. Uh, what you've written instead of you saying it to them. And so I do think there is a lot of value in that. And also there's value in reading what other veterans have written from Vietnam and from today, because there's a lot of great material out there which will, which will put your feelings in perspective as well. I, I couldn't agree more, Justin. Right, writing to me, uh, I wrote my book primarily because I could not find a therapist that uh, would, could understand or, or was even courageous enough to approach the topic of war. Uh, many knew that I had, uh, I went to three or four different uh, psychiatrists on my own. None of them were seemed confident enough to approach uh, the topic of war and discuss those re reactions from war. But more importantly, I had so many reactions when I saw this list of reactions that were swirling in my head. And it was just very, very beneficial for me to write them on paper because now I wasn't trying to understand them in my head. I could actually understand them by looking at them on paper. So it was no, no longer an internal thought. It was an external production on a piece of paper that I could leave alone and I could come back tomorrow and write more about that. But it, it also helped me to segregate them and isolate these uh, different responses from each other. So in other words, I could deal with the anger by writing it down. 
then I could deal with what, what I think is very important. I never never had any remorse uh, from or, or mourning over the things that happened in war. So I could write on that topic, uh, minimizing the experience. What, one of them, another that was big was uh, the, the, the loss of affection or intimacy. And I'm not referring to sex, but emotional intimacy. So yeah. writing was able to help me to get out of, uh, 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 get these things out of my head and be able to write them on paper. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's beneficial because that also ties in with thinking about your situation and how we're, how I'm gonna positively move forward, and and I just can't overstate what Michael what you just said about writing it down. That's there's that's a big step. That means something. That means you're you're purposely addressing the issues that are challenging you. And just writing them on paper, there's a sense of permanence when you get it out of your head and put it on paper. You know, you can share it with other people. That's a big step in the right direction. That's something any of us can do from the privacy of our own homes. Right. One thing I would add to that, Linda and Justin, when we think of the camaraderie that we had when we were at war with the buddies we were with, uh, now we can change that. And I think we have to make our families our comrades in this particular right. event. We're all mm -hmm. in this. How do we heal? So they become our comrades, not 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 uh, not uh, you know the opposing force. So I think we learn how to treat them the same way. You know, gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing your personal experiences and thoughts on how to help families better understand the trauma response. And I I'm, I love the, all of the thoughts that you have put forth to internal strength for acceptance and resolution. And we'll leave you with this thought. Think at least about what's a good day look like a year from now. You didn't get these reactions overnight. It's not going to go away overnight. But if you th simply think and write and ponder what's a good day look like, you will again be there. Thank you for listening to Military Network Radio. We'll be back next week with another show. We appreciate your participation this morning, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com. And in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance 